0: and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 414. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, and I am so excited to dig into today's topic, new rights for pregnant workers. In case you missed it, back in late June, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act went into effect creating a new suite of rights available to workers in the United States across all states, whether or not you live in a state that has historically already passed state-based laws protecting pregnant workers' rights to reasonable accommodations, like light duty, taking breaks, or having a stool to sit on, among many other benefits. Today, I'm sitting down with Sarah Braffman, the National Policy Director at A Better Balance, where she's been advocating as part of a national movement for more than a decade for stronger federal, state, and local laws to protect workers, and in particular, to protect pregnant workers. She's been leading outreach and education efforts to advance pregnant worker fairness, rights for nursing parents at work, workplace equality and fair pay, and ending sexual harassment in the workplace. So you can imagine why I'm such a fan of Sarah and the incredible work being done at A Better Balance. She joined A Better Balance back in 2016 after graduating magna cum laude from Columbia University, and she also received a law degree from the NYU School of Law. Sarah is part of a nationwide movement to advocate for more workers' rights, especially for pregnant workers, and I'm so excited to share this conversation I had with her back in July now about the new act as it had just been taking effect and what we all need to know about our rights and how we can spread the word and make sure that organizations are in compliance and providing pregnant workers these new rights and protections that we are due. Sarah, welcome to the Boss Up podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm delighted to have you. This is something of like a celebratory conversation because this feels like the culmination of a lot of hard work on behalf of advocates like you. Tell me, how did we get to this moment with the Pregnant Workers' Fairness Act coming into effect.
1: The Pregnant Workers' Fairness Act was a 10-year-long movement, and it's both the culmination because we've culminated the campaign to pass the law, but now it's the beginning of knowing about the law, getting the word out about the law, and making sure that people can actually utilize their rights. So what is the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act? The Pregnant Workers Fairness Act is a fairly simple law. It basically says employers have to provide reasonable accommodations for limitations related to pregnancy, related to childbirth, related to conditions related to pregnancy and childbirth, unless it would cause an undue hardship on the employer, meaning that accommodation would be very difficult or very expensive for the employer to provide examples of reasonable accommodations can vary. It's a case-by-case analysis. And so it can be everything from extra breaks at work, time off to attend prenatal appointments, flexible scheduling if you're experiencing morning sickness, time off to recover from childbirth, light duty, temporary transfer if you need to. So the list goes on and on and on because it's really about what your needs are and your specific work.
0: Right. And you're, you're an attorney, right? So can I ask you some wonky questions here? Because first of all, part of me is like, how the was this not already a thing in America? Right? Like, welcome to America. If you're pregnant, and you have prenatal appointments, you have to go to, you could be fired for such an act. Like, what the hell? Why was that not a thing? But then second of all, I can't help but hear when I hear reasonable accommodations, my mind immediately goes to the Americans with Disabilities Act. Was there a precedent based on that law? Was this related, like, was that specific terminology called upon for a particular reason? Because undue hardship for an employer certainly seems like a loophole. But I wonder if we've seen through the ADA any precedent for establishing what is a reasonable accommodation and what's undue hardship. Is there a relationship there? Yes.
1: So to take a step back, the reason why we needed the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act was because there was a gap in our civil rights laws in the U.S. Not to take us too far back, but in 1978, Congress passed the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. And that law, for the most part, was really about not firing someone because they're pregnant, not being willing to hire someone because they're pregnant, demoting them, pushing them out just because they're pregnant. Now there was some language in the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which did require employers to sometimes provide accommodations. But it basically said employers only need to provide accommodations to pregnant and postpartum workers if they were accommodating those at the workplace who are similar in their ability or inability to work. So what does that gobbledygook mean? That means if employers were accommodating other people in the workplace, then they would have to accommodate pregnant workers. But if, they, if no one was being accommodated or a pregnant worker couldn't point to someone else at their workplace who was being accommodated, they were out of luck. And that was a very, very difficult standard to meet. Pregnant workers were losing their cases left and right because who among us knows what is going on with our coworkers? It's not the way workplaces really function and it just was not a workable standard. Then fast forward to the early 90s when the Americans with Disabilities Act passes. The Americans with Disabilities Act did have what we call an affirmative accommodation standard that said, much like the PWFA, you have to provide reasonable accommodations to workers with disabilities unless it would cause an undue hardship on employers. So those are terms that we used in the PWFA from the ADA.
0: When you say affirmative, what do you mean by that? What I mean
1: by that is that it's, Case by case, it doesn't mean that you have to look at someone else who's at the workplace. It's just specific to you. You have the right to accommodations. You don't have to look at whatever the employer is doing with anyone else. Even if there are two people that have the same condition but need different things, they each have a right to their own type of reasonable accommodation. The problem with the ADA vis-a-vis pregnant workers was that courts were very clear and the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, was very clear that pregnancy itself is not a disability. So you needed to have a pregnancy-related disability in order to get accommodations under the ADA, which meant that if someone needed an accommodation to prevent a disability, right, they need to sit more, they need more breaks, they need light duty, because heavy lifting could cause a complication, then you didn't have protections under the ADA, because you didn't yet have a disability you were trying to...
0: So basically, if if I understand you correctly, sorry to jump in here, but you had to be worked to the point where you were having pregnancy-related like complications before you could get accommodations, yeah?
1: Right, and fairly severe ones. Wow. Um, in order to meet the definition of disability under the law. So there we were. If you couldn't point to other people in your workplace that were getting accommodations, you couldn't get an accommodation under the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. And if you didn't have a disability related to your pregnancy, you couldn't get accommodations under the ADA. So therein lies the gap in the law. And the way to fix that was by borrowing from the ADA to say even if you have a limitation related to your pregnancy or childbirth or another condition that doesn't rise to the level of a disability then you should be able to get accommodations as well. And so that's what the law did and does and it was a 10-year campaign like I said. But it wasn't just that we were trying to pass the federal law for 10 years which we were, but we also worked state by state to pass state level protections because we knew people needed these right away and Since 2013, 2012, we were able to successfully pass over two dozen state-level protections. There were a few that predated that for a total of 30, but we made a lot of progress in the states and in states where you wouldn't necessarily expect. Tennessee, South Carolina, Nebraska, North Dakota, Kentucky, where we had a tremendous amount of bipartisan support, and that really laid the foundation for bipartisan support For the PWFA at the federal level,
0: because caring about pregnant people should not be a Democratic or a Republican issue. Right. Like this is a human rights issue. And that's an interesting strategy just to get a little politically nerdy here for a moment, because we're seeing state legislatures and even ballot initiatives. Really leading the way to like a tipping point on the federal level, which I'm gonna, I was supposed to end this. I have my last question for you on like what's next for you to focus on, but we're seeing it here in Colorado with paid family and medical leave we passed on the ballot in 2020, along with a not two dozen, but a handful of other states that have done the same the past decade and pay transparency act, paid sick leave being required, right? I think so many workers' rights and civil rights issues. That particularly affect women, people of color, working families, they're happening at the state legislature level. So, like the nerd in me is like, are we all paying attention to those state reps and state senators we're electing? Because they're the ones who are laying the groundwork for federal laws like this one. Is that not fair?
1: That is incredibly astute. It is really important to pay attention as to what's happening on the state level. And a lot can get done at the state level, right? For instance. This legislative session in Minnesota passed paid family and medical leave and paid sick time, two really groundbreaking victories. Maine just passed paid family and medical leave. Maine just passed it. So it's a really exciting moment. And there's also, again, room for bipartisanship, right? Tennessee, this past legislative session passed paid leave for state employees, paid leave for teachers in Tennessee which is a really exciting victory. So it's really important to think about how progress can be made and to not discount any state.
0: And not to, to get mired in fully understandable depression that can ensue when you look at the Supreme Court and right the Dobbs decision. Like There's so many ways at the federal courts level or the federal Congress level that things look depressing AF and like, You can just pull your hair out thinking, how are we moving backwards on civil rights right now? And yet, there's some real reason to be optimistic when you look locally at what's happening. What's sad about that is it just means certain workers and women and families are left behind depending on where you live, like on what side of the state border you fall on, but... Let's get back to the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, the PWFA, as you called it. One of the things that I think is interesting about the work you do at A Better Balance is advocating for legal rights and protections, which feels different than, I don't know, like a lot of women listening to this podcast right now probably already have pretty good company protections, company policies. So what's the difference there when it comes to... The PWFA versus finding a good job at a good company that cares about women, that cares about pregnant workers, and provides these accommodations already?
1: I think it's a really important question. And I think the fundamental answer is that individual employer policies are not a substitute for the law. Because when we shift the law, that shifts the paradigm and the culture for everyone. It lifts everyone up. And I think it's also really important because it keeps employers honest, right? They can't renege on the law the same way they can on policies. And, you know, we've seen even over the course of the last few months, a lot of employees in tech, right, getting fired while they're on parental leave. And it's very different to be in a place where you have a right to paid leave versus, they're just being a company policy. And I think it's also really important to remember that, yes, there are a lot of places and and companies that are doing right and doing good by their employees. At the same time, their stratification, even within major companies where the professional employees of that company might have great leave policies, but the warehouse workers Or those sort of working on the front lines and the lower wage workers don't have those same benefits. And that's where the law really comes in is because the people who are losing out are predominantly low wage workers, disproportionately women of color. And we need to be lifting each other all up. And that's what the law can do is set a floor on what is basic decency, what is a basic right that everyone deserves to have, not just a select few.
0: Absolutely. And it, it sort of reminds me of what you were just saying about nightmare of like, right out of George Orwell's animal farm, he wrote, all animals are equal, but some animals are just more equal than others. And that to me is like the capitalist state of the union right now, right? Like if you can try to class your way to protections... Get a good education. Do what you have to do. And frankly, Bossed Up is like a company that operates in that space. Like how can you boss up? How can you level up? How can you advocate to get yourself protected? Any one of us is one layoff away from being totally vulnerable or one medical issue or one pregnancy away from being completely cast aside by a society that, you know, doesn't treat everyone equally, especially in in companies. And so I think – Part of what I love about this work is that you're taking a really systemic approach of saying, okay, what is it that needs to be a fundamental protection for all? So how do we get the word out about these fundamental protections? Like, how can we help raise awareness and, frankly, educate us on, like, what does it mean to have these new rights available to us? And how can your organization provide resources where we can learn more and and educate and spread the word?
1: Education and outreach are incredibly key to the success of this law. And it really will take every one of us because as much as a better balance can push and push and push to get the word out, we need amplification. And that takes everyone listening to this podcast, amplifying the law exists, what it does and spreading it in your community. And a better balance has a free and confidential legal helpline. Anyone can call us with questions about their individual circumstance. We have a Know Your Rights page and a whole Know Your Rights hub that has state by state information. And what is really important is that it's sort of the New York subway approach of see something, say something, right? If you have a friend who's pregnant and it seems like they may need accommodations, it's important to know about this law because a light bulb might go off, right, that there's something amiss here that someone really does have protections and to know to go to a, bel- a better balances resources because we have a template letter on how to request an accommodation. We have materials on how to talk to your employer about the fact that you need accommodations or if you need to pump at work, how you can ask for pumping space and, and doing it and really um, helping folks through the process in any possible way. And I think it's also important to take notice of your surroundings, right? My partner jokes with me because, you know, every time we go to the grocery store, I always ask the, the checkout person, you know, are you allowed to have a stool here? You know, it's about taking your surroundings in and realizing that we are all part of this community, right? If I see someone delivering packages and it seems like they might be pregnant and 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 sort of talking through like oh is there does your company have this policy that, around you know getting accommodation not making assumptions about people but just sort of being a collective and really taking in your community and and trying to get out the word even if it means one-on-one interactions now obviously we want systemic sharing so spreading information on your social media. You know, we have been getting a ton of calls just in the two weeks that the law has gone into effect and a lot of people have heard about us from TikTok because they've seen, you know, cute videos on TikTok about the pregnant workers' fairness act and I love it. I love to see it because that's how we spread the word these days is on social media. So Do a little two-second video on this new law. Share out the information because you don't know the kind of ripple effects that it can have.
0: Totally. And, And start with your HR department if you have one, right? I was at the Colorado SHRM conference last fall up in Keystone, the Society of Human Resource Management Professionals. And I ran into some amazing change makers at the Colorado Department of Labor and Employment there, who were holding listening sessions and information sessions on our new paid family and medical leave law. And the oh, they also were talking about um, pay transparency. And these are people whose jobs it is, like their full time job in HR involves keeping their companies in compliance with the law. And I can't tell you how many people in that room did not know like how to legally do such a thing. So this law is freshly minted. I can guarantee you your average HR person doesn't know that this exists, doesn't know how to keep their company out of trouble and, you know, do the right thing and do right by pregnant workers, Um, that each and every one of us can help agitate our way towards implementation. And frankly, it's for the good of the organization too. We don't want to end up in a situation where, you know, you're know you getting sued for not following the law. But if, if someone does, like if you know, let's say you're asking these questions and the answer is no, I don't get a stool uh, just because I'm pregnant. I've asked for one, I've been denied. Or your friend says, hey, I've got morning sickness, but I'm afraid to ask for any sort of flexibility here or I know that I'm not gonna get it. What are the steps you should take, especially if you run into retaliation? Because I know this is where the law becomes really clear. Well, maybe not that clear, but more clear. It's very clear that being retaliated against for asking for an accommodation, for
1: using an accommodation, is against the law. That is a violation of the law. And that's also why the law is really important in terms of having these legal rights, because you also have recourse if your rights are violated. And I would say if someone thinks their rights have been violated, they should call us and talk through their situation, the-
0: With a free lawyer, right? Like that's the beauty of a better balance is that your legal hotline is like, talk to an attorney for free if you feel like this is something you can't afford. So I think that's a really key point.
1: Absolutely. And we can talk through options. What we really want to do is get people to goal, right? People don't really want to start a whole court case. They just want to get the stool. They just want to be able to change their schedule because they have morning sickness. And what we can help do is talk through how to do that effectively, how to self-advocate effectively, because that is the most powerful advocacy is self-advocacy. And the other thing is that, you know, the EEOC enforces this law. They're the government agency that enforces it. They take complaints about violations. And so you can always... File a charge with the EOC. If you think your rights have been violated, we can talk to you about that and what that could look like. And it's just really important to know that there are options if you are meeting resistance from your employer. It's not just, oh, you know, they said no let me take it from there. They are obligated to engage w- with you in a conversation about getting accommodations. And even if it's not the first accommodation you request, because they don't necessarily have to give you the very first thing you ask for, but they do have to work with you to come up with a mutually beneficial accommodation. And if they are completely cutting that process off, that is a problem under the law.
0: And I think you know retaliation can be kind of sneaky and really subtle. So if you get a cranky manager on a meeting who's like disgruntled with you for asking for an accommodation, write that down word for word, right? While it's fresh in your mind. And send it to your personal email. Oh, right. Good, good tip. Yeah. Try to document, follow up, right? Ask questions like, why was I taken off this project? Why wasn't I given the opportunity to apply for this promotion? You're Like those subtle forms of retaliation are still retaliation, right?
1: Absolutely. I think that's what's important to know about retaliation is it's not just the wholesale firing. It can be more insidious than that. And it can be sort of a subtle trying to push you out, trying to take you off projects, trying to sort of say, oh, maybe because you need this accommodation, you actually don't, you know, it must mean that you also don't want to do X, Y, or Z when No, that's not what you're saying. You're saying that you needed this particular accommodation because you actually wanted to continue doing all the other elements of your job. And the other thing is is following your intuition, right? If something feels off, it really might be off. And so if that keeps happening, noticing a pattern taking notice of that and trusting your intuition that something really feels wrong here.
0: To ask a Sort of basic question that I'm not sure I caught just yet. Does this apply to every organization, big and small? Like, what's the who does who's covered?
1: Those who work for employers with 15 or more employees are covered, similar to the Civil Rights Act, similar to the ADA. However, you might live in a state that has a state level pregnant workers fairness law, and that law might cover smaller workplaces. So it's really important to not just know about the federal law, but to also know about the state law. So New York, for instance, covers all workers. Um, there is no employee threshold. And the same goes for many of the other states cover smaller
0: employers as well. Amazing, And I'll link to your resources that break things down in a state-by-state way. Thank you for doing all the legwork for us, because it's really a better balance is a really phenomenal resource. Sarah, thank you so much for being part of making those rights a reality, one step at a time, right? You're giving me hope. Where can my listeners learn more about you and the phenomenal work you're doing at A Better Balance?
1: You can learn more about us at www.abetterbalance.org. And please visit. Please spread the word about these new rights. Please join us as we continue to fight for other protections like paid family and medical leave for everyone in this country and paid sick time and fair scheduling. You know, this is what we hope is a catalyst for further change at the federal level. And it's like I said, it's the beginning, really, not the end.
0: Amazing. Sarah, thank you so much for all of your time and expertise. Thank you, Emily. For links to all those resources Sarah and I talked about, head to bossedup.org episode 414. That's bossedup.org episode 414. And please spread the word. Share this episode far and wide to help us get the word out about this important new set of protections. And now I want to hear from you. What questions, what comments would you add to today's conversation? As always, let's keep the conversation going in the Boston Courage community on Facebook or in our growing group on LinkedIn. I've linked to both in today's show notes as well. Until next time, let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb.